Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Mark Dondero on WEEI. WEEI. All right, back here on WEI, Mark Dundara with you until 6, 617-779-7937. Chris Sale traded to the Atlanta Braves. I'm for it. Derek White balling out at his best. I'm for that every night. Okay. Um, One thing that the Celtics are doing this year that we all know about, but I think is something that needs to be pointed out specifically They're dominant at home, Justin, and they are a team that in the playoffs last year um, wasn't dominant at home. And I do think, again, a little thing, it's not going to be necessarily the thing that gets them over the top, but I think that's going to be more of the Porzingis and Derek Whites and all those guys. But I like the fact that they're dominant at home. And then, you know, you got to start with that before you can be dominant at home and, and have TD Garden be a house of horrors for other teams in the playoffs. I mean, you want that advantage, especially if you're the Celtics, especially if you see kind of how the last few years have gone, okay? You need that. That's a huge advantage if you can find a way to cultivate it. And the best way to cultivate it is to do exactly what they've been doing this year, where they don't lose at home. Now, again, there's a lot of time left. We'll see how it ends up come April and May. Um But you look at some of the big losses that they've had at home over the last two years. You know, if you eliminate half of them, not even all of them, just take half of them away, how many games would they have won? You know, just give me, you know, the. I'll give you another um, couple examples. The game against Drew Holiday stole the ball from Marcus Smart. I think it was game five against the Bucs in 2022. Yeah, that was game five, yes. Game five in Boston. They could have gone up. I forget what it was there. Could, could have gone up three to two. That would yeah, that would have evened it out. No, sorry, that would have been they would have been three two, yes. yes. Celtics would have been up three two. Yes. Instead, the Bucks went up three two going home, and it didn't look good. But Jason Tatum rose up, and yeah, and we all know how that finished. But that game at home, I mean, win that game at home. Um, how about didn't the didn't the um I forget at the beginning of the series, they were in Golden State. But the Warriors won some big games in Boston. The Warriors, I think, they clinched in Boston. You know, don't let them clinch in Boston. Protect home court and then see what happens where, you know, that was game six, right? They could have gone to a game seven. It wouldn't have been an easy thing. But anything could have happened in a game seven if you get to get it back to Golden State. There was the game last year. Curry shot like, he only scored like 18 points or something and they still lost. Right. I mean, it goes on and on. There was the game last year. Joel Embiid didn't play. That was at TD Garden, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yep, that was at TD Garden. They lost that game. There was Trey Young extending the series where you could have closed it out at home. That was game five. And he hit the shot. Like, be better at home. Okay? And then, obviously, game seven at home against the Heat last year. Now, obviously, that was asking a lot. You were trying to win four in a row. It never had been done in the NBA. But... You did have, when you break it down, in the micro, you had game seven at home. 
win that game. They also lost so, game one and two at home. They lost game one and two at home. Both they of them. They should never been in this. So, okay. You have, the last time you were in the playoffs, in the series you lost, you got you lost three of four at home. That's absolutely unacceptable, even for last year's team. Absolutely unacceptable. Especially you're at the you're at these games, Justin. Like the crowd is electric. It's a good crowd. It's not some sleepy crowd there. True you know? story. I had an Apple Watch on uh, for one of the games last year during the Eastern Conference Finals, and it said like wear headphones because it was like a loud noise environment. <laughs> I, I, true story. It's like it's insane how loud that place gets. It's a good crowd. Um, it's what Fenway Park kind of used to be. It's not infiltrated by fans from other teams. It's all you can hear the Celtics fans at every turn. So you know, I think that's something that they need to really focus on, and they have. They've done every. I mean, you can't do anything more than what they're doing. I'm just saying you got to keep it going, and you got to most importantly carry it into the playoffs because Boston should be when you play here. You know, a place that's difficult to play in the NBA. Um, home court advantage used to matter in the NBA more than any other league, I felt like. Maybe football, you could make the argument. But with the refs and how close all the fans are to the players, it mattered. So get it back to that. The The bench players usually play better at home, like all those things in the playoffs. So I'm glad that they're doing well and dominating at home. Keep that up. Uh, but that is not that is not their New Year's resolution. Their New Year's resolution for me, and again, we're nitpicking because they've been so good. They're dominant. They look good in every phase of the game. But I would like to see them, Justin, make more buzzer-beating buzzer shots. Or by buzzer-beater, I mean last 10 seconds, clock winding down. And I don't even care if that's the second quarter, third quarter. Fourth. Make more of those shots late in the game and see if that can I, – I, the one thing I would ask Joe Missoula if I was at a – and I don't get to go to his press conference – I'd say, Joe, how do you guys work on late game execution or end of end of quarter, end of clock execution? Because that's something that has been to me a blaring weakness, and they don't often get a good shot, or they don't hit the shot, or it just doesn't work out for them. Some of those games, why their overtime numbers are so bad? Go back to last year. Some of those shots they had to win, they miss. They end up in overtime against the Cleveland Cavaliers, they lose. Work on those shots. Late in the shot, or not the shot clock, but in the game clock, winding down a quarter, winding down the half, winding down the game. Well, that overtime I don't know shot what they against do. Golden State, too. That's a perfect example. When Jason Tatum had their hurt ankle and pulled up for a deep three, and then they had a timeout. Then that, that Which was a game was example. this? That was uh, now two weeks ago against the Warriors. Oh, they won two weeks ago, right. The one yeah. they lost out in Golden State. Right, yeah. when Tatum pulled up on the wing from the three, it's like, you know, you, you had a timeout, you had 13 seconds left, you should probably look for a better shot there. I'm not, you know, I don't have the stats in terms of how often those shots are made, but I'm just saying more often than not, I see them, and I watch a lot of the games, I see them miss those shots, and I'd like to see them make more of those shots. It's not going to be, you know, maybe it's more of like a baseball batting average, 330, 40% would be a good percentage, but just work on it. Make some, because then you can take away some of those overtime situations, and you can win some of those games. Just work on that shot. Let's talk to Dave in Shrewsbury on the Celtics. Hey, Dave, how are you? Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to say, like, you were talking about the end of the game execution, and um, I'm not sure if this is a coaching thing or not, but it seems like, you know, it's a tie game, and there's one possession left. The Celtics have the ball, and basically what happens every single time is either uh, Tatum or Brown dribbles the ball till there's five seconds left and then takes a uh, contested jumper, 
There's no sort of like everybody knows what's going to happen. There's no uh, there's no place called, and um, I, I think that's that's one of the big issues at the end of the game. I don't know how many times it's going to happen, but um, I, I guess I just you know I know you want to have the ball in your best player's hands, but I guess I just um, I don't like that play calling, and um, wondering what your thoughts are on that. Thanks for the call, Dave. I agree with your concern. Um, it's been my biggest point of emphasis for I don't know how long, a year and a half. I still think it's the biggest weakness. I shouldn't say the biggest weakness. That's not right. I still think it's the biggest question mark if you have any on this for this team with this roster. The end of game execution. I'm still not there, Justin, where if it's late in the game against a good team, fourth quarter, that they're going to be able to pull it out. I feel better now than I did last year, so that's progress, and I'm acknowledging that. But I'm still not where I would need to be, you know, where we were with some of these teams that have won championships in the city, where you always thought you found a way. Here's where I'm not sure about this. If you ask the players, like with Brady, and again, it's not fair, but, you know, the, the best Mahomes... Do they feel like because we have player X, we're going to find a way to win? So that would be my question for all the Celtics players. If you gave them, you know, the truth serum or whatever, you had them on their honest opinion. Because we have player X, I feel deep down like we're going to win every game. If it's late, if it's close. That's what I'm not talking about just going into a game 0-0. I'm talking about if it's late, if it's close, we have player X, so we're going to win. Two questions. Do they feel that? Do they feel that confidence because they have player X? And my second question is, who is player X? I think it's starting to become Kristaps Porzingis. I think they're really turning to him in the clutch, and he's really kind of bailing them out a little bit when they just need to get back to the back to the basics and he could hurt you in so many different ways we saw in the third quarter against Detroit they got back in that game because they got Porzingis the ball in the middle right in the low post and he just went to work but he can also knock down shots from anywhere on the floor they are a much better team in the clutch when he is on the floor and he's really becoming that guy he is just so crucial to their success down the stretch in those moments that he's really becoming that guy where he's that player x that you just mentioned like we're going to pull this away because we have Kristaps Porzingis it started the first night of the year, the first game of the season, um, where I thought he stepped up big time. And in an exact situation that Dave, the caller, was just talking about and that I've alluded to for the last year and a half, that was the exact situation in New York. Um, you know, I just, again, that's a very interesting scenario to think about. We have, and I know they probably, if you ask somebody, they probably say the, the company line and we have a bunch of good play, but no, no, no. Deep down, you know who you have confidence in. Everyone knows who's got game, who tightens up, who, you know, who gets nervous. Who We all know those things, even if we love them like brothers because they're teammates. We know what everybody's about and who comes through in the big moments and who tightens and who can't handle the pressure, whatever it is. The Celtics feel a certain way when those games come down to the wire, whether it's confidence or apprehension. And if it is confidence... Who is that confidence in deep down? I know the script says it should be your best player, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. That's what the script says. And that's what's going to be the hard thing for Joe Missoula to maneuver through and manage when they get to those points. Because if it is Derek White, who's actually the more productive player in those moments, will we ever see a situation where Derek White takes the shot 
that Tatum took against Detroit the other night at the very end of the fourth quarter. Could Derek White ever be in a situation where they run a play for him or they run an ISO play for him and he takes that shot? I don't know. Maybe if those expectations on Derek White get raised, he won't be as productive, and that's fair because he can kind of fly under the radar with Tatum and, you know, with Brown. I've got no reason to think or I haven't seen a reason why he wouldn't be able to rise to that moment. I feel like he'd be able to handle it just fine, but I'm just wondering if are you going to force Tatum and Brown to be that guy if they've proven that they're not as capable of being that guy. I'm not sure how that's going to react or how that's going to play out, but that's what Joe Mazzulla makes the big money for and we'll have to see how that goes, but it is something that's interesting. How do these Celtics players feel when those situations arrive and what player do they have the most confidence in deep down? Who do they secretly want to have the ball in the moment they absolutely have to have a basket or a shot made or whatever it is? I would I would love to know the true answer to that question. Maybe we'll get it. Maybe we won't. Maybe it just comes out in the wash in the playoffs when we see actually how they handle those, uh, those moments and how they execute in those moments. All right. Um, when we get back, I also want to get into today. So we're going to get into some Patriot stuff. I want to talk a little bit about Bill Belichick. We're going to finish our list of the top 10 mo- Bill Belichick moments with the Patriots. We've done 10 to 5. I'll recap 10 to 5. And we're going to get into some other moments, his biggest moments with the Patriots. I don't know if this is his last season. It should be. We'll talk about that. But the biggest moments Bill Belichick has had with the Patriots. Plus, what is the biggest mistake Robert Kraft could make as we move forward here? That's next. WEI, I'm Mark Dundere with you until 6. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Well, we'll start with the breaking news in Major League Baseball this afternoon. Chris Sale has been traded to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for infield prospect Vaughn Grissom. The Sox will also send $17 million to Atlanta. Grissom has six full years of team control remaining on his deal. The move comes just a day after the Red Sox signed right-handed starter Lucas Giolito to a two-year $38.5 million deal. Sox are kind of rolling the dice on a bounce back from Giolito, who led the American League with 41 home runs allowed last season and wrote in route to an 8-15 record and a 4-8-8 ERA. The Bruins are back in action tonight, hosting the Devils from TD Garden. Puck drop in that one is set for 7 o'clock. The Patriots are back in... The Patriots are back in action tomorrow. They're in Buffalo for their final road game of the season. The Pats will be without Juju Smith-Schuster, Jabril Peppers, Kayshawn Booty, and Hunter Henry remains questionable. The Bills have no big names on their injury report. Kickoff from Highmark Stadium is at 1 o'clock. Staying in the NFL, Week 17 continues tonight with a Saturday night primetime matchup between the Lions and Cowboys. That's a good one. You can listen to Westwood One's coverage of that game right here on WEI beginning at 745. And finally, despite being shorthanded on the second night of a back-to-back, the Celtics moved to 16-0 and at home with a 120-118 victory over the Toronto Raptors last night. Derek White came up in the clutch for the Celtics, scoring nine of his 21 points in the fourth quarter. Jalen Brown notched his first double-double of the season with a 31.10 rebound effort. The Seas are back in action tomorrow night in San Antonio as they take on the Spurs. I'm Justin Turpin. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... 
what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Mark Dondero on WEEI. All right, back here on WEEI, 617-779-7937. Red Sox have traded away Chris Sale, and I like it. Not a game changer to me, but I like it. I like what this could set up. I like the fact that they're ridding themselves of Sale with respect. It just wasn't happening anymore. It wasn't going to work out. We knew what he was. He couldn't stay healthy. It was over. Um, you know, and now they get another young middle infielder that, you know, can join another group of young middle infielders. Um, Nick York, Marcelo Meyer. I mean, so with that being the case, you could see other traits. Maybe Craig Breslow's positioning to move on from one of these other guys. Maybe he has a, a team in mind that wanted one of the other young guys and he's willing to move on from them to get a pitcher. You know, I'm just thinking about where this could lead and what this could open the door to. Because it has to open the door to other stuff. Obviously, the rotation isn't good enough. The starting rotation, which was their big bugaboo last year, Still isn't good enough. Lucas Giolito aside, not good enough. And I think this is a start of something. So if you want to chime in on that, feel free. Um, there was an NBA trade today I thought was interesting. Uh, how do you say his OG Ananobi? Um, Ananobi, yep. He went to the Knicks from the Raptors, and the Raptors got back R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. I'll be honest with you, JT. I was surprised quickly. I think, honestly, both of those, not that the Knicks were a big problem, but quickly, he, he had his moments against the Celtics, and he was a real annoying player. He's sort of a poor man, Tyrese Maxey. Um, but he was he could hit some shots. He could be annoying. He was a pest as a defender. And Barrett would hit some shots against you, too. I, I don't not like the trade for, I mean, Ananobi's a good player. Um, but it feels like they kind of, I don't know. It feels like a push to me, that trade. Yeah, I wish the Knicks were a little bit more patient. And it's funny, you, you mentioned Emmanuel quickly. Remember, he gave Malcolm Brogdon a run for his money last year as the sixth man of the year and had quickly not started. I think it was like 25 games. Then quickly probably had a chance to win the award, but because he had most of his big scoring nights as a starter and ultimately went to Brogdon. So I think quickly is one of a really underappreciated player. I think he's really good, but. OG's the big ticket in that one. He's one of the best defenders in the league. But I do think the Raptors won this deal. Yeah, I mean, especially, you know, I don't, you, you have Emmanuel Quickly and Scotty Barnes. If that's a combination that they could really make some hay with, R.J. Barrett is Canadian, right? So he's kind of going back to back home or whatever. So maybe he thrives there if that happens. I think we'll what it tells you is they, the Raptors just weren't willing to pay OG. And he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this year. And if the Knicks... Don't lock him up. That's a disastrous trade. Like they have to have some sort of extension already on the table because if they move from on from quickly and Barrett and don't re-sign OG, I mean that's 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 disastrous. Yeah, uh, from a Celtics perspective, no, I agree with that. From a Celtics perspective, um, it doesn't really worry me. You know, I don't think I know the Knicks were a good team, but you kind of I I like the fact that the Celtics this year, the Knicks were a pesky team for you last year. Um, they, I think they beat you. They, they had a better record. They had a winning record against you, if I remember right. Yeah, they so, won the season series three to one. That's right. So I, I like the fact that the Celtics this year have sort of reasserted their dominance and said enough is enough. 
Um, so even this move doesn't really work because honestly, those are guys that produced against you quickly. I remember a couple games in Boston was absolutely a nuisance. And this one, this situation um, doesn't make it easier for you, but I don't know if it makes it that much tougher. You should still be better than the Knicks, but we'll see how that plays out. I just thought that was interesting because it's one of the trades that you might like for both teams. So, hey, Ananobi's a good play. He's the one that hit that shot against you in the bubble in the playoffs, I think, right? He yeah, that was the corner, corner three. Could up 3 nothing. Instead, it was 2-1, and it became a series. That was a pain. Um, so, okay. That trade, a couple big trades today, a couple big moves being made. Um, the College Bowls are also being – I just need to get this off my chest while we're on the air here. I, I miss the BCS-era bowl, bowl season so much. It is such a shame what has happened to college football bowls. And I know this isn't a college football region, but it's such a shame, a damn disgrace what happened to this college football bowl season. You can't watch the games. You can't bet on the games because you have no idea who's in, what's what for what team. I mean, Florida State, they're playing Florida State and Georgia in the Orange Bowl. Even if it wasn't the national championship game, would have once upon a time been a huge matchup. Would have been a fun matchup, a fun game to see. Florida State undefeated, one loss Georgia, SEC, ACC. Now it's a joke. Now it's Georgia minus 21. Florida State not having anybody available because they're either going to the draft or they're injured or they're transferring. And you got these games that just are, are spring games. They're, they're exhibitions. They're playing the young kids, the freshmen, the guys that might be next. So it's cool if you're into the, you know, want to see the, the prospects. But it's, it's not the actual players that you watched all season, and it's not their actual teams. Um, I mean, back in the day, I know there was the issues with the BCS system. It wasn't perfect. But at least in some of those other bowl games, damn, you at least had some good matchups. Um, and maybe we'll get that with the 12-team playoff. The regular season's not going to be as compelling because every team, you know, you could list a bunch of teams. You could list seven teams right off the bat in September who are going to be in the playoff. It won't even matter what they do during the regular season. But it's just such a disgrace what it's become right now. I'm, I can't stand it, and I hate it because I used to love the bowl season. And now it's just all about those four playoff games, which have, a lot of times are blowouts anyway, so that's not even fun either. So I, I just I, it's so disappointing to me where we are. Um, another thing that will be disappointing to me, I think this region, and I don't, you know, I understand it to a point. Change is hard. Change is scary. Change can be difficult, and... You know, all those things. But change is what the New England Patriots need. And I, to me, it feels like all the people that are still supportive of keeping Bill Belichick around are simply afraid of change. Now, is it going to be better without Bill Belichick? Of course, it's probably not going to be better. He won six freaking Super Bowls. And even if you think, like I do, that it was more Brady than Belichick, which we've always said, it's still a lot of Belichick what got you to the Super Bowls and what won those Super Bowls. It's going to be worse than what he did when he was here. Accept it. But you cannot watch what the Patriots have become and tell me that that man at that age is going to be able to get that team back to relevance. It's not going to happen. There's as likely a chance of that happening as Chris Sale being healthy and coming through for you with a full season of prosperity. It's a nice thought. It's a safer thought. 
but it's just not going to happen. The Red Sox made the trade. Robert Kraft needs to make the right decision too. Okay, and I think that if he doesn't move, if he doesn't move on right now from Bill Belichick, he'll make a mistake equivalent to what he did when he let Tom Brady walk out the door in 2020. Now, I understand that was a little different. Maybe Brady wanted to leave, and it was that way for a while. Maybe Kraft knew it was trending that way. He did what he could, but it just got to the point where Giselle wanted him to leave. Brady wanted to leave. He had had it with Belichick, as in Brady. And they got to a point where this cannot be fixed. We can't do anything to solve this riddle. I'm going to do what's best for Brady because of all the things he has given me in this organization over the years, and I'm going to grant him his release and not franchise him or do any of those things. I think it would be just as big of a mistake if he passes up this opportunity with a top-ish draft pick and a chance to reset the organization. If he goes back to Bill Belichick, which is a possibility, I'll admit, with respect, the ultimate respect to Bill Belichick and the appreciation for everything that he's done here, I think that would be as big of a mistake as letting Brady walk out the door in 2020 when he proved to have a lot more left in the tank, another championship in him, and you had no plan at quarterback beyond Brady or beyond anything. It would be as big of a mistake. And I cannot sit here and act like I'm okay with that mistake being made. Just like I can't sit here and act like I'm rooting for the Patriots to win football games. I think that's an idiotic thing to do. I'm sorry if you feel, and I know it's a divisive topic. I can't sit here and root for the Patriots to lose. It feels awkward. You know, it doesn't feel good, but it's the best thing for the team, okay? I don't understand why that's such a difficult concept to grasp or to accept. Not to grasp, but to accept. If the Patriots had the starting quarterback of the future, then I'm for winning games at the end of the year, and I'm not as concerned with the draft pick, and I'm interested in building up some momentum and a foundation of winning and a culture of winning that they can take into the next season. I'm for all those things if they have the quarterback, Peyton Manning, 1998. You know, you sucked in your rookie year. You had a lot of things, hiccups, but that's the guy, and we're going to get better, and we're going to you know, be on this journey for a long time. They don't have the quarterback. I don't want to hear Bailey Zappi's name. They don't have the quarterback. If you don't have the quarterback, it has to be about getting the quarterback. And it's just simple to me. I know it's not natural to root for your team to lose. I'm not asking you to like it. I don't like it. I mean, when they beat Denver the other night on Christmas Eve, a part of me was rooting for the win and it felt good. But then you're like, that's that could be costly. And that's real. I mean, the Jets, because of a meaningless win in December 2020, blew their chance at Trevor Lawrence. Now, Trevor Lawrence might not be the next Mahomes, but he's better than Zach Wilson. And they're going to go to the playoffs, and who knows what could happen in Jacksonville. You don't want to have that happen. What happened to the Jets? I don't understand. It's awkward. It doesn't feel good. But it's the best thing for the team. Just like, I don't know if, you know, if you're listening, if you have kids. You know, I have kids. When the kid needs discipline, or if he screws up or she screws up, and you have to administer discipline or be, you know, the play the whatever you want to call it, bad cop, tough love, whatever it is, it doesn't feel good. You know, sometimes if the baby's crying, you'd rather just give them what they want so they shut up. But the best thing to do 
via my own experiences is to deal with that pain in the moment, stand strong, even though it doesn't feel good, because later it will pay off. Your ability to, to hold, hold your own and hold the fort there and let the kid cry it out, whine it out, even though it would feel better to just give him what he wants, what she wants, and have them stop crying. Then the next time, what happens? The next time, they just start crying again. And then it's a cycle you can't get out of. Every time they want something, they cry, they whine. And that's the, they think that's how they get what they want. And that's how they've gotten what they want because you keep giving it to them. And in the short term, yeah, they stop crying and everybody's happy. Makes you feel good. But in the long term, that's not the best thing for the situation. That's how I view this whole thing with the Patriots. Yeah, it's awkward. You don't want your kid to be upset. You don't want to make them feel bad intentionally by not giving them what they want. That doesn't feel good. You want to make them smile. You want to make them happy. But you got to stand firm so the kid doesn't rule you. He doesn't run you the whole time he's a, a child. I didn't think I was going to come on here and talk about this parenting stuff. I don't even know where this came from, Justin. But it just feels like, you know, if it's awkward to root for your team to lose. It doesn't feel good. It's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make your kids happy. But sometimes you have to be willing to execute a little tough love to reap the benefits later. So that later they've developed a little bit of independence or self whatever reliance or they they just know what's up and that this ish isn't going to fly this crying stuff because you want something not going to happen so you stand firm even though it doesn't feel good you stay strong and you don't give them what they want it's not easy to do it's not easy to just sit back and say all right let's root for the i mean we everybody lives you know they they work hard they live lives and and things can be hard and you want to enjoy your damn football team I get it. I, I'm the same way. I don't want to not root for my team to win. I was rooting for them to win all in September and October. But then when it became clear they have nothing to gain this year, I needed to pivot. And that's why I think it's time for them to move on. We have had too many things go wrong in the four years or so since Tom Brady left via Bill Belichick. He's north of 70. And sometimes you just need a change of voice. I mean, for crying out loud, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you disagree, call. We've been getting a bunch of calls over the last week on that 617-779-7937. I don't care. I mean, I'm open to your interpretation. I just disagree. If you think you should stay with Bill Belichick. I mean, a lot of people, well, if he gives up the GM job, we'll stay with Bill Belichick. No. Sometimes you just need a clean slate. I mean, even if a new GM comes in, and I know this isn't a head coach, it's a GM, but let's say the new GM comes in. It's sort of the same thing. I mean, it's like what the Red Sox are dealing with. It's a little different because Alex Cora was never the GM. But if a new GM comes in, people that want Belichick to just coach and the GM will come in. <laughs> you think that's really going to be all that smooth of a transition? Even if Belichick is okay with it, which I don't know if he would be. I think he might be, but I don't know if he would be. A lot of people don't think he would be. Even if he was okay with it, you don't think that's a little awkward? Where this new GM is going to come in, he's going to oversee the entire football ops department, and Bill Belichick is going to just sit back and just kind of consult with him? Even if he was okay with it.
No, 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 you do you. I'm just going to sit here, and whatever you think is, is right is right. I'm going to just sit here and coach and forget about my six Super Bowls and all the, all the great moves I've made. I'm just going to sit here and coach like Mr. Kraft said. You do whatever you think. <laughs> I don't, that doesn't sound like something that's going to be all that easy for him to do or comfortable for anybody involved. Emotions will be, high, you know, there's going to be different feelings, emotions. That's, that's, I don't feel like that's realistic. Even if Belichick agreed to it, human nature takes over. It just doesn't feel like an actual thing. I mean, you got to remember these are humans. They have feelings. You know, then it's going to be, I don't know if people would start picking sides and if the new GM thinks he needs to, I mean, there's all kinds of things that could go wrong. That's why the answer is you move on. You move on. And it's okay. It, it doesn't have to be explosive. The guy was here 23 years, 24, whatever it is. You have immense gratitude. Like I don't understand why even Robert Kraft would have a hard time doing this. And maybe he won't. We're just not at that point yet. I wouldn't want him fired in the middle of the season. I never was for that. But you just go in and you put your hand on your sh on his shoulder and you look him in the eye and you smile. You pour a drink and you say, Bill, thanks so much. And you just say, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? And you have a, you know, have a, you have a discussion with a drink and a cigar. And you talk about some of the fun times and the good, and you just say it's, it's over. And if he, if he gets mad, you stay at peace because you know this is the right thing to do. And he'll get over it and you just do whatever he wants you to do. I would not... Get into a pissing match about draft picks or trades. I'm good with that. The, the firm stance I want Robert Kraft to hold is that we're moving on. If Bill Belichick wants to go somewhere else, I would absolutely let him go. And I would wish him well. I would root for him other than when he plays me. Doesn't have to be explosive or, or you know filled with tension and bad feelings and bad blood. It can be as amicable, I feel like, as Robert Kraft could make it. And if it doesn't end that way, I think Kraft can be at peace because he did the right thing and he gave Bill Belichick the respect he deserved. It was just what was best for the football team. How many times over the years have we heard Bill say that? I think it's clear. And somewhere deep down, and maybe these reports are true, Tom Curran and talking about... Um, I forget how Mike, or is Mike Giardi, I forget how he phrased it. Belichick has talked about, what did he say? It, it might be that he's letting people know that might not be next year. He might not be around next year, and that's starting to get out within the organization. Um, or Bill's letting people know. I don't know. But, I mean, I bet you Bill Belichick has a feeling. And the whole what's best for the football team thing is in play here. And we know, I feel like I know what's best based on what we're doing. What we've seen, where they've been, and what it looks like right now. Didn't have to happen during the season, but after the season, you need to get to a point. And now, if you don't make that decision... I think it'll be one of the bigger mistakes that you could make in line with letting Tom Brady walk out the door when he did. Is that going to ruin your legacy? No, it's not going to ruin your legacy. But 
It's something that if you don't do it now, I I don't know where you go. Then you have Bill Belichick drafting this next quarterback, and we'll have you know we can get into that. You have Bill Belichick making those types of decisions that implicate or that uh, impact the future. And I don't know, you know, he had his opportunity to do that. He's almost seventy-two years old. You need to entice the next guy with any and all advantages that you have to offer him. And if that's a top five pick, if that's complete control over who you hire, that could be a GM who hires a new coach, whatever it is. And that has to do with our resolution, our New Year's resolution for the Patriots. We'll get into that next. Um, We can go around the NFL as well. Thoughts on the playoffs and the matchups this weekend and the Patriots and Bills. Uh, More to get to here on WEEI. I'm Mark Dundere with you until 6 p.m. From the Rubenstein Law Studios, 1-800-BOS-LEGAL. This is WEEI. Get Boston Sports Original on the go wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. It's Mark Dondero on WEEI. All right, back here, WEEI. Uh, breaking news, Juju Smith-Schuster, Patriots wide receiver, has been placed on IR that will end his season. Oh, what a brutal disaster that was. That didn't work out. Uh, it didn't work out from the jump. I cannot believe that guy was a part of a Super Bowl winning team last year with the Chiefs. I cannot believe that. They trade Tyree Kill and they win the Super Bowl with that guy. Juju Smith-Schuster this year in New England, 260 yards, 29 receptions, one touchdown. The 29 receptions tied for 129th in the league. The 260 yards tied for, oh no, he's alone in 147th place. And he's tied for 146th in touchdown receptions with one. Meanwhile, just for reference, um, Jacoby Myers, 62 receptions, 690 yards, 7 touchdowns. Now, it's not that he's lighting the world on fire, but 62 receptions, it's tied for 40th, 690 yards, top 50, 46th, and he's tied for 11th in the league with 7 touchdowns. I mean... That one didn't work out. Uh, thank you for those who are sending in emails. Mark.dondero at odyssey.com. We got a weird one here, Justin. You want to do a weird email? Random ask emails this is a weird one. Chase and Milton. What would be funnier? Bill Belichick singing karaoke to Jay-Z's Big Pimpin' or to Michael Bolton's How Am I Supposed to Live Without You? Is that the name of the song? How am I? Yeah. That's a good one. Um, the answer to me, as funny as Michael Bolton, how am I supposed to? I mean, the, he would have to get to incredible levels there. Um, you know, he'd probably have, a, like, the movements would be very awkward and, and sexual. So that would be funny. But Jay-Z's Big Pimpin' has to be the answer. It's such a dirty song. Jay-Z, even once upon a time, expressed regret 
after right you know when he was a little older he had a daughter he was like i can't believe she's going to see these these lyrics and you know know that it was me that wrote this song or produced this or whatever how about belichick sings that as he departs from robert Kraft's office for the last time sings which one big pimp that would be even weirder <laughs> that would be even i mean <laughs> what i would do is I would be thinking about Belichick in the music video. I don't know if you remember the music video, but if you had Belichick in the music video, chicks in the back of the truck, you know, I, I just think it would be funny to watch Bill make his way through that rap from a lyrical perspective. I mean, that's the answer. Belichick doing karaoke to Jay-Z's Big Pimpin' would be funnier than Michael Bolton. I mean, any Michael Bolton song would be amused. I mean, I'd be amused, but that's a random-ass email. Thank you, Chase and Milton. Jay-Z's Big Pimpin' would be funnier, Bill Belichick, singing that in a, in a karaoke situation. I mean, I could just go through that. You just watch, go through the lyrics, go online, look at the lyrics, and then picture Belichick singing all those lyrics. It'd be crazy. Um, okay. You know, I, I just want to clear up one other thing, too, in terms of finding that next elite quarterback. Now, I don't know how you feel about Jaden Daniels. If the Patriots have a chance to draft him, I would do it. Um, do I love him? I don't love him. No, but I don't love any of the quarterbacks. I'm intrigued by some of them. Obviously, Caleb Williams talent is off the charts. I'm intrigued, but I think Jaden Daniels does enough. See, here's the problem with Jaden Daniels. I, I, any of the actual stuff we have no idea about. Like I, you know, he puts up some numbers in the sec. That's good. He's six foot four check. Is he a thin man? Yes. Could he fill out? Sure. I, I don't know, though. I mean, with where the Patriots are at and have been at quarterback, I'm trying to get a quarterback on the roster unless I had a chance at Marvin Harrison Jr. Outside of Marvin Harrison Jr., he's the only one that could make me second-guess taking a quarterback. And if I can't get him, if any of those other quarterbacks, May, Williams, Daniels, if they're on the roster the roster if they're on the board i would put them on the card and bring it up because you need to have a quarterback and i'm not willing to pass on it even if you could get a good left tackle i'll find the tackle at a later point i need to see if i can get the quarterback every other position honestly i'll find at a later point because even the teams that get a lot of help from the the pieces around the quarterback, the 49ers, uh, the Eagles, the Dolphins, they still have quarterbacks that are damn good. Now, are they elite quarterbacks? No, they're not elite quarterbacks. They're not the type of quarterback that no matter the situation, they'll get you to the playoffs. That's my definition of an absolute elite quarterback. You put Pat Mahomes on the Arizona Cardinals, they're in the playoffs. Are they a Super Bowl contender? No, but they're in the playoffs. You put Joe Burrow... On, you know, give me another team. The Carolina Panthers. They're in the playoffs. He infuses the culture with excellence. He's really good on the field. He finds to, he finds a way to get them to or at least near the division lead. And they get over the hump. That's what I see in terms of an elite quarterback. But with Jaden Daniels, I just don't know. And if, if based on where the Patriots are right now, it looks like they're trending towards a guy like that. But I have no idea. Yes, he put up numbers. He won the Heisman Trophy. He had a huge game against whoever it was. 
Florida, I forget. But against Florida State, wasn't that good. Didn't outplay Jordan Travis. Didn't win the game. I have no idea about Jaden Daniels' work ethic. I have no idea about Jaden Daniels and how he actually sees the field, sees defenses, reads defenses. I have no idea if he's a leader. I have no idea what type of culture he helps create because that's, as we know, a big obligation of the quarterback, creating a culture. And I don't know if it's going to happen. Let's get a call in from Paul, who's in Rhode Island. Hey, Paul. Hi, uh, why, uh, my man. Dundell, oh, yeah. listen to me. Yep. Happy New Year to Happy you and New your Year. family and the whole EEF family. Listen, if we're so eager to get rid of Belichick, if you want a clean house, well, let's just go after Bill's buddy, Schwartz, Johnson. Maybe he can bring Hooker over from the D- Detroit Lions. If you want to go, another pattern would be Mayo. Vrabel, but where is Harrison? Let's just go after Harrison. Let's Who's Harrison? Go, surround Harrison the, from the kid from from uh, uh, Jay, uh, Jay, uh Harrison, Marvin Harrison the, Jr. Marvin Harrison, yes. Okay, surrounded. You can get Hooker. You can also de- disturb Jerry Jones and just get Cooper Rush here. And yes, maybe, maybe the kid. Bailey will hold the clipboard. But there's so many patterns we can go, and we don't even know in those four walls what's going to take place in between Robert Kraft and Belichick. Do I want anybody to have him? No. I want him to go upstairs, watch his kids from the third floor, three doors down from Jonathan. I hope Jonathan takes over. And that's my opinion. The rooster from around, I am done calling this radio station Two ways you can go. Do I want Belichick gone? No, I do not want him gone. He's the scientist of football, the scientist of winning six Super Bowls. Why do I want him and his energy to go somewhere else? And that's my opinion. My Thanks man. I, um, Cooper Rush, know, that, baby. I, the future. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I understand the sentiment, but again, he, he's talking from a place of, of um, sentimentality. You know, it, it's just, it doesn't work for me now. He, he, he just not the same coach. That guy, that gene, the scientist or whatever you just talked about, Paul, that coach is, is gone. He was in the past. And I just, I cannot get on board with a situation that doesn't involve starting over. They're at rock bottom, as close to rock bottom as an NFL team can be. They're arguably the worst team in the AFC. It, 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 he's had enough time since Brady left. He, he's older. I mean, just accept it and move on and go to a place where you can start over. And if it's not an offensive guy, you're going to have to hire one who's probably, if he's any good, going to get rehired by somebody else after. So that's why I lean offensive, even though I like Gerard Mayo. The other thing about Mayo, I'd be wanting to clear out of all the Belichick people with respect. It's time to move on. Whoever comes in needs to be a new person and needs to have their own staff and their own program that they put in place it was a great run with belichick i'm appreciative i have that sentimentality that paul just outlined but i'm also trying to be realistic about what's best for the team and i i just i think it's best if they try to move on it's worked out here i mean i mean we've seen it in the other sports 
Terry Francona left, the Red, and he was a legend. I love Tito. The Red Sox were okay, you know, after the first year. They, they had a bad situation with Bobby Valentine, but then they were okay. They, it, you know, the Celtics moved on from Doc Rivers. They ended up with Brad Stevens, and Brad Stevens is still paying off to this day. The Bruins, they didn't win a cup, but Bruce Cassidy was a damn good situation. Claude Julian wasn't Belichick, I understand. But they all won championships. I mean, they'll be all right. It can happen. It can work out where they're okay. All right. Uh, when we get back, I do want to talk about the top Belichick moments. We'll go from 10 to 5, and we'll go 5 to 1. We'll review 10 to 5, go 5 to 1. Uh, NFL, Chris Sale trade, all on the board. 617-779-7937. I'm Mark Dundere here on WEEI.